everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are going to do a quicker version of Movie Club. Usually, Corey and I go through uh, what we've watched recently when we do an episode of Movie Club, but we are uh, recording this very late, uh, not at night, but late for us, where usually these episodes come out on Sunday, and we're recording this on Sunday. Um, and then I have uh, family stuff to do because it's two days before Christmas, so... Um, we're going to not rush through the episode, but we're going to forego our what we've watched recently. Um, but you can check out everything I see ends up at BurkeReviews.com for the most part. But you can also follow me on Letterboxd, where I do keep track of every film I watch all year long. Um, and you can see uh, exactly what I've been watching. Although, Corey doesn't use Letterboxd. So real quick, did you see anything else, Corey, that you wanted to maybe <gasps> name drop? I did. I saw The Favorite, which I loved. <coughs> oh, um... me too. I loved it so much so much i was nervous because the director um yes who i then, love everything he's done where you do not so <laughs> yeah his humor though is like it's spot on with me um and then i also watched bird box which is getting Ooh. a lot of hate and i don't understand why see you are the third friend of mine who has seen it and has loved it so i'm excited uh big tuna loved it uh, Matt from what I watched tonight loved it, and now Corey. So that's three people who I trust their movie opinions. Although Big Tuna and I don't always see eye to eye, we see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. So I'm I'm excited about Bird Box. Um, I've not gotten to it yet because I've been busy at the theater all weekend. Um, it's like five movies came out, and I've seen all of them. Uh, in some capacity. Um, when um on Christmas we're gonna go see um Mary Queen of Scots. Is when is it coming to your theater? I saw it today. Oh, nice. Okay. I, I did not like it. Are I you was, kidding? I was very freaking bored. I wanted to. I wanted to. Leave. Oh, don't tell me that. It's my Christmas movie. Dang I'm it! Sorry, Damn it! <laughs> yeah. I was like more hyped on it than the favorite. Yeah, I've no. Been waiting the for favorite this forever. is so fun and so great. Um, I could care less about this movie. I honestly was excited because I love Sir Sharona and I like Margot Robbie. I wouldn't say I love her because a lot of movies that she's been in, I'm not a fan of. Um, but uh, yeah, I was bored. Like, I was, like, squirming in my seat, and I honestly contemplated leaving, because I was like, you know what, I got other stuff I could do, um, and I don't really care about this movie, uh, but I stuck it out. Um, a, it may work for you. Uh, it didn't okay. work for Big Tuna either, um, even though he sat through it a second time. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, he came with me and saw it, and was just like, I think he just wanted to see how much I didn't like it, because <laughs> uh, yeah. He usually um, likes movies like that, and I don't always like movies like this, where it's a period piece, kind of, uh, you know, like, it's a it's a royalty drama, and I, I was bored. I could not, like, I like talky movies. There's tons of movies where there's a lot of just talking, and I love some of them. Steve Jobs is a great example. I love the way the dialogue's written, and it's snappy, and it's, it's moving. This film felt so boring, um, and I've seen basically everything that's in theaters right now. Uh, I saw Aquaman and Bumblebee. I saw uh, Mary Poppins Returns a few weeks back, um, which I love that movie. I saw Welcome to Marwin yesterday, and I went and saw Mary Queen of Scots and was oh, just just not impressed. Um, not to say that the performances are bad or anything. It just I don't know if it was the writing was not my intrigue. I think there's I think the movie's saying something, but it's saying something that I feel is like obvious, like like men were evil to women. It's like yeah. They're still evil to women. Yeah, okay. Like, why does it have to be this particular story? Like, it, I don't know. It it had to open with uh, three very long captions setting up what's happening in the movie. And even that, I was still like, I still don't understand the politics of, like, the two different thrones and, like, how they're connected. I didn't understand any of that. 
Um, and that's again, I... that's on me. So maybe that's just maybe I'm not highbrow enough for this movie. I don't know. Um, Bill's gonna hate me. We haven't been to a movie together in oh, a long time. Bill's gonna, gonna be freaking gonna, bored. He's gonna probably hate me. Yeah, you should go see. Damn Die it! Hard. Uh, <laughs> see what? Die Hard. <laughs> we already watched that. I know, but I'm just ago. saying that's way more fun. Um, all right. Uh, so yeah, I, that's what I was literally watched today. Um, so, but, um, yeah, the favorite. I'm really glad you saw that because I I totally love that film. I saw I that a couple it. weeks ago. And. I was kind of, like, surprised, because sometimes, like, there were two older women, like, at least in their 60s, but I would bet money in their 70s, and I was like, oh my god, these guys have no idea what they're getting into, and they were, like, laughing right along with me. The rest Mm -hmm. of the crowd was laughing, so it was a good group to be in. Oh, Rachel Weisz, Olivia Coleman, and Emma Stone are so amazing, and uh, Nicholas Holt, just awesome. Oh, so good. Oh, man, I love that movie. (laughs) <laughs> but this week um, is our uh, third episode of December, where we're looking at movies that m- went through the cracks, for one of us at least, um, meaning we, we almost missed them. The year's almost over, but we didn't see it in theaters. Uh, Corey picked this week's episode, and it is American Animals um, from this year. I actually saw this at South by Southwest with the uh, the cast in, in attendance. Um, so, I yeah, I didn't miss it. Uh, I was there and, and uh, you know, got to... Um, hear a little bit of a Q&A if I recall correctly although I've, I'm having a hard time remembering it so maybe they didn't do a Q&A um, but I know Evan Peters was there uh, Doug Benson was actually in my screening too um, which was really cool because like I saw Doug I was like oh my god I'm in the same room with Doug and he's not performing um, although later he did perform in that same theater and I saw that show too but um, it's written and directed by uh, Bart Layton stars Evan Peters Blake Jenner Barry Keoghan I'm not sure if I'm saying that right and Jared Abrahams um and also, uh, I want to get the name of the librarian. Ah, there, Ann Dowd. Ann Dowd is just like a powerhouse character actress. Um, she shows up in tons of stuff. I think the first time I became aware of her was in The Leftovers on HBO. Um, but she is such a good character actress, and she shows up in all sorts of movies. Um, and she's really good in this. Uh, this film, American Animals, if it's four young men mistake their lives for a movie and attempt one of the most audacious heists in U.S. history. Uh, this And I love, the movie starts with the words, this is not based on a true story. Yes. Um, and then it erases based and true. Uh, um, this is a true story. Yeah, it's, it just says this is a true story, which is a really bold claim. Um, this movie is the second film I've seen that does this kind of thing with, um, we have I, Tanya from last year. Oh, yeah. And this so one where they, they do this kind of hybrid documentary um recreation style uh where we have like talking heads interviews although in i Tanya, you still have the actors playing the characters doing the talking head interviews although the interviews were verbatim from actual interviews with the actors uh with the uh, real people in i Tanya. here we actually integrate the real people into the film so you see the actual people who committed the heist um uh warren lipka eric borsuk chaz allen and um, well, that's not, um, oh, I missed one, Spencer Reinhardt, and then Betty Jean Gooch, who is the librarian, <coughs> um, and, they're, like, I've read a lot about this film, and, like, so the actors were not allowed to meet their real-life counterparts until after oh. filming, because they were afraid that it, they would become sympathetic to them, um, and, uh, it's, man, so, the way we do, if you've not listened to Movie Club, we, we are gonna give you a brief, uh, take on the movie without any spoilers and then Corey will give a 
very thorough spoiler warning before we dive into all the details in this film has a lot of details so we definitely we're going to get spoilers fairly quickly but Corey, what was your initial impression of american animals i don't know where i got it from but i'd wanted to see this and then for some reason i had it in my head that it was a hard watch oh um and it's totally not so um and i found it very interesting and actually bill sat and watched this with me and he really enjoyed it too um, I thought that they they like combined a lot of different. I don't even. I'm so bad with technical terms. Um, I don't want to say techniques, but um, like you were saying with having the um, you know, real people having interviews and just other things that they incorporated throughout the film. That if I thought about all the different little things that they put together to make this movie, I would think that it would be too much and mm-hmm. kind of detract from the movie. But a lot of it was so subtle that it was just awesome. Yeah, the film has a lot of style. Um, one, I mean, you have this really great young cast. Evan Peters is like a powerhouse lately. Like, he's just coming in and just like, hey, you're going to pay attention to me. Um, and I've I've known of Evan Peters since Kick-Ass. He's like the third level friend in Kick-Ass. Oh. He barely has a role in that movie. And then since then, I've, I've seen most things he's done. I've watched almost all of American Horror Story. I think I've missed the last two seasons. Um, I, I've seen, uh, he's Quicksilver in the X-Men films, uh, Days of Future Past and, uh, uh, Age of Apocalypse, and he's the easily the best part of both of those movies. Um, and, uh, I've seen a few of his other dramatic things. This film, I, I think he's so great in it. And then Barry Keoghan, um, is in, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, the Yorgos Lanthimos film, which I love. Uh, he is. And he's also in Dunkirk, uh, Christopher Nolan's film, um. Uh, he's you know in the boat. Um, oh yeah, he's the son or something. He's the uh, yeah he's um what's it? I can't think of the guy's name. Oh, and I love him. Uh, oh my god, it's like right there on the tip of my tongue. He's from BFG and uh, uh, Bridge of Spies. Um, oh my god, why can't I think of his name? But he's yeah, Mark he's, Rylance. Mark Rylance is uh, it's his son in that movie, and I think it's, maybe it's his friend. Either way, it's like a, a, a good kid who's trying to help out. In Dunkirk, um, I won't say what happens because that would be a spoiler. But, <coughs> um, and then uh, you get Bruce Blake Jenner, who's in um, Richard Linklater's film, uh, the Everybody Wants Some, and he's also um, Haley Steinfeld's brother in The Edge of Seventeen, which I think is a severely underseen, amazing coming of age story. Um, and yeah, you just get this really dynamic young cast um, and this really unique filmmaking. Um, I love. What this film says about the idea of of, of truth, in a lot of ways, uh, I Tanya also does this because you get multiple perspectives. You're getting um, Warren's story and you're getting Spencer's story, and those stories conflict. Um, the two guys are not speaking to each other; they're speaking to the the filmmakers, and so they're telling, they're recapping stories like this happened, and one remembers it being in the car, the other one remembers it being at a party, and so the film crosscuts these two ideas in really interesting ways where like the world around them changes, but the conversation's consistent. And so it's like a visual representation of these two different sides of the same story. And that happens subtly throughout the film, like you said, and it's just, Oh man, it's so unique and so cool. Um, and I, I could see this, that being a reason why some people don't like this movie because it is really stylized and it is, um, it's shining a light on, it's, I wouldn't say it's glorifying what these guys do, but it's kind of, it does get you excited about what they're doing 
as if you were alongside them doing it. Like, you could see how you got sucked up into this event, you know? Like, they're, they they get this idea to steal this book um, full of paintings. I can't I can't even think of what it's called. Audubon. Ah, the Audubon, um, which is supposed to be worth a whole bunch of money, and it's kept in the secure library at uh, Transylvania University um, in Kentucky, I think, right? Uh, yeah, it was somewhere weird like that. Um, and so... Uh, and this happens in what two thousand eight, I think, or two thousand four. It's something like that. It's the the real time frame. I I thought I typed it in, but I did not. Um, it's the Birds of America by yeah. John James Audubon. And um, they they get this idea to steal it, and like it would be easy because it's a library. There's no security. Blah blah blah. Um, and they start like getting the plans, and uh, like every it just spirals it starts off as like a throwaway idea that becomes this obsession of this one kid and kind of i think his way of breaking away from the mundane life that he's been living you know he's been everything's been going according to plan you know he's in college he's got a sports scholarship and he just wants to do something different and uh that's warren and once that once that idea is locked in his head Man, um, even when we meet the real-life Warren, he shows us a T-Rex tattoo that he has on his bicep of a T-Rex trying to turn off a ceiling fan. But, you know, putting himself at risk because his head's going to get hit by the blades because his arms are too short to reach the, the chain. And it's just this weird, like, okay, why are you showing us that? Um, but I think it kind of speaks to his personality quite a bit. Um. I don't know. I, I really like this movie. I my review's been up since uh, I don't know May, March, April, so whenever I went to South by Southwest. Um, what did you think, Corey? Positive on it? Yeah. Well, I think, folks, uh, we've sold the initial premise. We need to get into spoilers though, because I want to talk specifics about this movie. So, Corey. Okay, guys, we are going to talk about American Animals from earlier this year in great detail. From here on, you've been warned. And it is not currently free to stream with any subscription that I'm aware of, but it is available digitally on all platforms. It's a little harder to find on Blu-ray um, because Spy. it is an independent film, but you can get it. Yeah, and I, I would say it's a it's a blind buy if you are uh, into one, like, true crime stories, uh, two, if you like Evan Peters, um, or three, if you just like really innovative storytelling, because I think the way they do this is super unique um, and very, very cool. Um. Corey, what, what stands out? What do you want to jump into first? I think that exactly what you said about the very opening where they like take away that based on a true story, I was just sucked in right away. Mm. Um, and I it, I think it's really funny because anyone can anyone could say that anything is based on a true story. It, there doesn't have to be a certain percentage of fact or, you know, it can be so far removed and removed so many times that, you know, you know what I mean? Anyone could technically you know um yeah. and this movie uh starts with a cold open that i usually am not a fan of the cold open idea however i think it works in this case we see them putting on this old man makeup um and these are real close-ups where it's really hard to tell exactly what we're seeing at first uh, and you're getting voiceover you're hearing other people talking about the the four real life guys and like you know oh they're good kids no one would have expected this parents are crying things like that <laughs> and you don't really know what it is they've done, just that they've done something. And I think that's a, a, a functional cold open, um, especially because when we finally get to the part in the real story 
when they are using the old man makeup, it doesn't work. The heist fails the first time they go in with the old man makeup. There were things they didn't account for. Um, they definitely stood out at a college library as four old men. Like, I don't know what they were thinking that old men would but, be blended in, but... But for what they were going to look at, I totally... Yeah, but only two of them were going to look at it. The other ones were just standing around. But yeah, true. But <laughs> I feel like it would be kind of strange if... I don't know. If, if half of them were... there, And then there were some choices that they made after that that I didn't really understand. But... Um, I, and I felt like they did that throughout the movie. They like gave you a little bit and then they like ran away from it. And then they like cut in these other parts of the stories and then you arrived back to what you were looking at. Um, I felt like that happened many times. I was like, holy hell, what's happening right now? And then, you know, give it like 10 or 15 minutes and I find out. Um, and were those their real parents in the movie? Because it seemed like it was, especially at the beginning with the dad who started crying. In the uh, the talking head stuff, I think so. But I think the scenes in the film are uh, actors. I think. I'm not 100% though. Okay. Um, and I, I just like how we aren't given everything right away when it would make sense, I guess. Um, and there's one part where I'm like, oh my god, that's the real one of the guys. I'm forgetting the name right now. But um the the artist. Uh Spencer. Spencer, where he's outside and it looks like he's getting the newspaper and I'm like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, that's that's the guy. And they're driving by to the yeah. you know they're whatever. talking and then and they see him. Yeah, and then later on they come back <coughs> to that scene, but it's from his point of view at that moment and he's getting the paper and we find out that he still lives there how do you do that anyways um yeah yeah i just and i thought it was so funny because i don't think about things the same way bill does and bill's like they're looking at all this from best case scenario like everything is going to go right um i think it's when they're sitting at the diner table and um he's like going through the motions of what's going to happen and they actually show you what they think is going to happen and and that's not what happens at all. I could never be a criminal. Because well, yeah, no. I mean, um, I love that his the research too that they're watching just heist movies. Um, yes, and that's like his, you know, and I, I, he's, he makes the. I don't know if it's the actor who says it or if it's the actual person says it. it's like you can't like research how to do a crime. Like there's no like books on the subject, so you have to go into weird sources. Like we see him searching on the internet. Um, and then we, we see him watching movies and then they're trying to kind of plan the heist and they're not morons and they bring in more people. Um, that's where the other guys come in. And of course, the more people who know, the more things can go wrong. Yes. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I'm just thinking that at best case scenario, these books are worth like $12 million, which is a lot for books. Yeah, sure. But then we, well, it's worth a lot anyways. But then he ends up going to meet the fencers, the fences, the fence, whatever. Yeah. And they're saying that they might get 30 to 40% of what those books would be worth. Like the people who are going to steal the books. So what are we at? Like less than 5 million. And then they start bringing in two other people. And I'm like, if you're lucky, you're going to get off with barely over a million. And your whole life is ruined. And you're going to have to run to some other country. And you can't ever see your family or anybody else again. Don't ever show your face. And you have to go somewhere that you can't be extradited. 
Like, well, yeah, but I think they're they're operating it. best case scenario that they don't get caught. Um, because the fence, you the reason you have a fence is to to sell it without being connected to it. Um, so their hope was to not not ever be caught, but they they do get caught. Uh, long before they make it to the fence, unfortunately. Um, I mean, not unfortunately because they don't deserve to succeed, but I'm saying like from their perspective, unfortunately because they're trying to you know achieve something and. Um, I, I find this, it's funny cause I'm like scrolling through IMDb right now and they're the first user review that pops up, it gives it a one out of 10 and says it's horribly boring. And I don't know if this guy's ever seen a movie before, but he's insane. Um, I, I, nothing about this film was boring to me. Um, I found the characters to be very compelling. Um, I, I got sucked into it too. Like I felt like I was planning the heist, like, um, you know, and you feel for him cause uh, Spencer, like, they're all these, these kind of, like, rich white kids who had everything kind of going for them, handed to them, and they, there's this sense of desperation. I love, Spencer says that, you know, he studied artists like Van Gogh, um, and I forgot the other one he mentions, but that they all suffered for their art, and he felt like he's never suffered, and thus his art had, has nothing to say. Like, yeah, he can draw, but so what? His, he had no perspective, no no struggle in life to, to reflect in his, his work. And I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, I get that, but I, I kind of do get that. Like when you watch a movie, like in, I watch movies for a long time, strictly for entertainment. And now I watch films. I, I think about what is it trying to say? And I, I like, when you watch this movie, I'm thinking, what is it saying about the idea of truth and the idea of, of even the idea of America? Like this, these are like, you know, well-to-do white kids who decided to steal books, like you said, yeah, they'd make a million dollars each, but, like, they'd probably all be okay not doing this, you know? Um, and yet, they were tempted. They The idea of this thrill, I think, kind of sucks them all in even more than, it than like, because the one guy wants to be an FBI guy. He's, he's a, an yeah. accountant. You know? I was, and he chose that career because it's one of the only two that the Academy will take you right after you graduate from college. Yeah, and now, you and, know, he, that's not going to happen ever. Like, <laughs> I mean, it could have gone another way, actually, if they had been success, you know, successful. Because um, isn't that how I haven't seen it in a long time, but catch me if you can. Doesn't yeah, he get hired into the FBI? Yes, he does. Um, so it could have, you know what I mean? I don't know. And they didn't want to hurt anybody either. Yeah. Um. And I think, I don't know, I was like watching it unfold the second time that they go in to do the heist and they do the heist and just seeing all of these things that they had carefully thought about before. And then they just let it all go. Like they were all in costume. They were all in disguise. And, and part of that disguise included their gloves and they go in the second time and they don't have any gloves on and they're touching every damn thing. Mm. And I'm just like, I don't know. I was very like tense and stressed out during that scene and nothing goes right in the actual heist like everything is wrong they shouldn't have done it and they all realized it i think immediately but but they did it anyway yeah i mean so the first time we see the heist play out is uh imagined as uh warren walks us through it and it's it looks like like uh an oceans 11 movie you know like everything's working perfectly it's like a choreographed dance you know you click this you click that Boom, everything is taken care of. She passes out. No big deal because we zap her with a stun gun. Everything is perfect. Um, and then the first time they go to do it, he, they all chicken out, essentially. 
Uh, they're in their old man makeup. Like you said, they look way more prepared. They've exchanged license plates and blah, 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 blah. It's like one thing after another. All looks perfectly choreographed the- until they go to get into the room. And there are more librarians there than they were counting on. But even they had gotten an extra vehicle to change out before they got to the vehicle they bought for the mm-hmm. the getaway because he asked to borrow his mom's van. Yep. Um, I don't I don't know. Yeah. And um, so that time doesn't work. And then they, it looks like they're not going to do it. Uh, Spencer is having cold feet and then opts to do it. But they're going to do it slightly differently. No costumes this time. Spencer's going to be the lookout from the roof, which really never made complete sense to me because he can't see anything in the library um, and is no use to anything throughout the entire heist from what I could tell. But um, things go wrong from the get-go because Warren's supposed to take out the librarian, Mrs. Gooch, right away, and he doesn't. He calls the other guy in first, and now they have to do it, and he he's chickening out, and the stun gun they have does not stun her at all. Um, it doesn't tase her at, like at, like she gets shocked, but it doesn't even knock her unconscious for a second. Um, and so then he has to like gag her and t- and tie her up, and poor woman you know wets herself because she's terrified. Um, and they're yelling and they're freaking out, and nothing's going the way they expected to. The books are so heavy, like you wouldn't have thought how how big that book is, but man, no, it is massive. Um, and while it was all happening. I didn't even notice that they had shoved these other ba- books into their bag, which maybe mm-hmm. that was probably the point. Yeah, but like we see them grabbing the smaller books, they shatter the glass, and they're grabbing like the Darwin and a couple other things. But um, yeah, we don't see them put them in their satchels, but they do. Um, and that's the only thing they get away with because uh, they lose the big books. Because when they go to escape, everything goes wrong. Um, the lights don't work. They push the wrong button on the elevator, which is a really tense and kind of funny scene. Uh, when the elevator doors open and we see like from the lobby perspective, just like this floating line that's you can't quite tell what it is. But, um, and then the like, doors just close. place it on the floor. Yeah, like uh, they're but they're panicking. Not, at that point, yeah. they're not thinking clear at all, and it's and there's no exit from the basement, or they can't see it. That's the part. I that's the one thing I feel like is really confusing because the lights aren't on in the basement, and that's what it sounds like they're saying that they can't see the exit, but. You know, so they end up having to go back and make a run for it. They lose the uh, the big book going down the stairs, and they they get out, and then Warren gets hit by the getaway driver, um, who he clearly gets a concussion and he pukes in the car. Everything everything is going wrong, um, but they still manage to get away with it for a little while. Like they go to New York and they try to get the books appraised because uh, they have to have verification that they're the authentic books in order to sell them to the fence. Um, and so they're working that it doesn't work out correctly. And then we see them get busted by the FBI, um, which I think is a pretty cool, like sequence, uh, slow motion, how each guy handles it differently. You know, uh, Chaz has the gun, um, that he had pulled on, on Warren earlier. I mean, it's, there's some intense scenes and like, yeah, they, they thought they were so smart and they made so many mistakes. Um, and I, I love that uh, in the epilogue when they're talking about it again and they kind of bring the idea of truth to the forefront. Spencer kind of admits he's like, I don't know for sure if Warren ever actually met the fence. Like if he really went and we see like those scenes from earlier in the film, like redone slightly like they he meets the guy with a purple scarf and he's like, I don't know if Warren ever actually talked to a guy with a perfect purple scarf. And so this time the guy just walks past Warren um, and he's like, I dropped him off at the airport, and we see Warren walk into the airport, but then walk back out. I 
felt like Warren knew too much about what needed to happen and where to go to get those things done for him not to have done that. Hmm. I don't know. It feels like, like you could just say that, you know, like there's a guy in the Netherlands. He... But why would you go through all that trouble and then have this? Because when things like you can't steal the Mona Lisa and then just sell it to a private buyer <laughs> without, True. you know what I mean? You can't have something that is so famous and so valuable and not, you know, you can't just, unha- you know, hand it off to anyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, why? but again, like, why even steal it? Like, why do it in the first place except for the thrill, you know? Um, and there is there's a part of me that maybe he always thought they would all back out. Because, like, um, to the scene where they're getting ready and he's like, Taser, and he's like, you never ordered it. And where he's like, well, am I supposed to think of everything? It's like, well, you have thought of that everything. That was your job. And that was the one job, and you didn't do it. So to me, like, him not ordering the Taser wasn't him forgetting it was him not thinking he would ever need it like that it would never actually happen um and i mean it's also the part all of them were dreading all of none of them were willing to do the the taking out a person like even if it wasn't going to like their intention was to not hurt her but none of them were willing to do that like none of them wanted to to take somebody out whether temporarily or whatever they were all afraid of that like element of it they were fine with stealing but they weren't okay with hurting somebody and i think they part of that i feel like we they're stressing to make us not dislike the guys um because they were just nonchalant like oh yeah she's just an old lady just take her out we wouldn't have any empathy towards them but you know the fact that they're all don't want to hurt somebody we're gonna feel like they're good people at heart even if they did something bad um but I, I don't know, like, the, to me, maybe Warren was having fun with the idea of it, and then once everybody was on board, he couldn't back out, because he was the one who had pushed everybody to do it, and so, you know, like, I don't know, I, I'm intrigued with the premise that maybe it didn't happen the way Warren claims that it happened, maybe there was no fence, maybe there was, um, but I like that the movie acknowledges that, that Spencer's, Spencer has his doubts, and that is, uh, that's compelling to me about the story. I mean, to me, this story is so, so interesting and so unique. Um, and it's something like these guys went to jail for like seven years uh, for what they did. And it's like, what are the odds? How many stories exist that we've never heard about? Cause like, if this movie doesn't exist, we've never heard about this heist that happened, you know? And this is, this is the type of heist that only happens in movies. And yet, it's it's real is this these guys broke in try uh, attacked a woman tied her up stole these books and got caught like that's insane agreed um hmm. i i was happy that they i'm guessing they were all under 30 considering they were all in college mm-hmm. and mostly living with their parents yeah their um, lives were not ruined by this um not entirely at least yeah, I couldn't believe that Spencer still lives in that town, though. Like, how do you make eye contact with people? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he's upfront about it. I mean, obviously, they did this movie. They're in the movie. So maybe they're okay with, like, being the, the example. Don't do stuff like this, you know? <coughs> like, it might seem like a good time uh, when you're planning it, but it, it's there's a cost. I mean... I'd like to know if the money for this movie that like what they're entitled to, if it's being like 
reparations or are they paying it to the school? Like, I'd hate to think that they're making money off of this film um, because I don't think they deserve to be rich for having done this illegal thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, but uh, there would be no story. I see what you're saying, but mm -hmm. I don't know. You're probably right though. Reparations. Well, I, mean, I was very, I know Wolf of wall street is a good example because the, uh, at the end of the movie, they tell us, um, that Jordan, whatever his name is, the character that Leo played, um, mm -hmm. the, all the money that he was supposed to get from the movie is being given to the people he ripped off. Um, cause he's still paying for all the people he ripped off, but these guys don't owe like the books were all recovered, so they don't owe the school money other than maybe for paying for like the broken glass. And um, I'm sure I would like to imagine Miss Gooch maybe sued them for like you know well, mental suffering or whatever. Why wouldn't you give that woman? And maybe they did offer her, but we end up finding out that she still protects the books. Yeah, and she still works at the school. Like, give that woman full retirement. And maybe yeah. she, maybe she was offered it. Maybe she didn't want it. But I'm just That's saying. True. Yeah, we don't know exactly. I mean, because if she wasn't comfortable, you wouldn't think she'd keep working there. You know, like she's maybe they gave her more security though. Like so, she's not alone with the with people who come. Maybe to see she has a taser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Well, I felt like she was kind of an a like I I don't know. I felt like her her small interview at the end, like I felt so terrible for her and I wish that it hadn't happened to her, but she was also kind of an a-hole that they just felt like they needed to get off on some intellectual high or something. Very, mm. very condescending, which I've never been in her position, but I'm just saying. I mean, there's, like I said though, there's really no other argument for why they would do it. Like they didn't, they weren't going to be like criminals after that. They weren't planning like an empire, you know? So they were going to make one big, like payday and then live their lives but they were already kind of living privileged lives so you know it is kind of like this greedy unnecessary like you know oh let's do this because we can you know so i don't know it's hard to be fully empathetic to these guys like they did break the law in many ways and i mean conspired to do so for quite a while like the the amount of planning that went into it and everything um it's hard to be fully empathetic uh, to them. I mean, I don't, I don't hate them. I don't wish them like the death penalty or anything like that. But at the same time, like they, they clearly broke the law and they did some very, very horrible things to a an innocent person. Like you're know, just doing their job. Yeah, agreed. Well, um, I think we're at that time. Unless there's any other scenes you want to mention, um, where we give our our rating. All right. Well, if I'm not mistaken, and it's been a while, I'm fairly confident I gave this the must-see rating, um, and I feel that way. I, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I know that Matt, from what I watched tonight, also was a big fan of this film. I think he said it's in his top ten for the year. Um, oh, wow. And so um, I, I really, really like it, and I definitely um, enjoyed it when I saw it the first time. And I actually – I may have enjoyed it more the second time because I was – you know, I already had seen it, so, like, now I was just picking up on little things. Um, and I was surprised at how much I remembered from my first screening, because it, it really did stay with me. So, uh, I, I say must-see for myself. You did give it the must-see. I had to look. <laughs> ah. And I also give it the must-see. The must-see. Um, <laughs> must-see. Sorry, can't talk today, guys. It's okay, it's okay. Um, well, with that, uh, that's this episode. Uh, we'd love, if you see American Animals, we'd love to hear your thoughts. But for next week's episode, our last of 2018, um, we are watching the film Leave No Trace. 
uh, that I've heard such great things about and I've been wanting to watch and wanting to watch. And this one, neither Corey nor I have seen, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Corey? No, and please tell me, yes, it's the Ben Foster one. It is the Ben Foster one. Stars Ben Foster and uh, Thomaskin, Thomason McKenzie, uh, directed by Deborah Granick, who, if I'm not mistaken, directed Winter of Bone, yes, uh, which is the film that gave us Jennifer Lawrence, which is some people will say is a good thing. I might argue not as much, but I've yet to watch Winter's Bone myself. Um, but I've heard amazing things about this movie. Uh, it's much like the other films we've watched this month. They are not available to stream by subscription, but you can rent or buy them. Uh, this film's actually rated PG, but it has an 88 Metascore right now and a 7.2 IMDb user score. So I'm very excited to see this, and I'm curious if it's going to end up in my top 10 uh, for the year or something, if it's that good. Um, but we'll be watching that uh, and talking about it next week, so we'd love to hear your thoughts on that one as well. You can reach out to us on social media at Burke Reviews for myself and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. Um, if you like our podcast, please rate and review us. It helps new people find us. Um, we want to, uh, encourage you to use anchor.fm. That is our podcast host. If you use that app to listen to our podcast, uh, there's a feature where you can actually call the podcast, leave us a voicemail, and we could take that voicemail and put it right into our episode. We'd love to have that. So if you want to call, um, anchor.fm and use that service to tell us about your thoughts on leave no trace or American animals or any of the other movies that we've talked about recently, um, we might use your recording on the episode. So check that out. Uh, it is a free app to download. And if you're interested in podcasting, um, I can't stress enough how great Anchor.fm is for young podcasters. It's free and uh, unlimited. So you have plenty of options for what type of show you do and how you post it. Um, I We switched to them earlier this year, and I have been very, very happy with them as a host. Uh, not paid to say that, and I'm probably over overemphasizing, but I just, you know, I like to encourage other people to start podcasts. And it's a great tool to use if you're interested. Um, until next time, folks, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movie-verse, there's something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.